Welcome to Successful Parenting, where we, Jackie Rue and Robin Choquette, share practical skills for families to build resilience and healthy connections. As practicing professionals and parents ourselves, we hope this podcast is a resource for parents to grow, reflect, and learn more about themselves and their children. Our approach is simple, tangible, and most importantly, we lead with compassion for the integrity of the families we serve. This podcast should not be taken as medical advice and is intended for informational purposes only. We love our work and we can't wait to watch families gain confidence and open themselves up to new ways of successful parenting. Hello, Robin. How are you doing? I'm good, but a little unorganized this morning. I'm just kind of feeling out of it, I guess. <laughs> you know how those days go sometimes. Yeah, that's not like you. Usually you are super organized and on top of things. Maybe it's just a lot going on. Yeah. And I keep the electronic calendar, but for me, I also need that paper and pencil. And then I get frustrated because I need both and I'll drop the paper and pencil and I just can't do that. I need to keep both going. And I think it's one of those things I get frustrated with myself, but you know, when I'm accepting it and I just do it, then I'm all good. <laughs> so. Well, and I think everybody truly has like their own method for staying organized and their own things that help them. I use like sticky notes and, you know, I, I use a day planner that's on paper. So I feel like for me, I've developed a lot of systems that work. Yeah. You know, and if you're a parent out there and you feel like you can relate, this episode is going to be a game changer for you because I think our guest expert this week, I've known her for a long time and her work has always impressed me. Her name is Karen Clark and she's worked in, you know, different school districts. She um, currently owns her own center. She does so many awesome things and interventions. And so I am super excited to have her here today. And I think she is going to share a wealth of knowledge with our listeners just about how to motivate children, how to help them unlock their full potential and really connect with them in a way that builds those relationships that we're always going for in the home. Yes. Good morning and welcome, Karen. Welcome, Karen. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We are excited. I know, Karen, I've had several conversations with you and you always, you're kind of my go-to whenever I have a family or a child struggling with you know, confidence and engaging in school and, and those executive functioning skills. And you always have the best strategies and, and just ideas. What about your background has really kind of helped you get to where you are? And how do you view your role with families? Sure. So my background in the mental health field, you know, it started out of uh, college and I, I worked in residential home for girls. They're wards of the state. They had failed foster homes. Some of them didn't have their parental rights. I loved this job because this was like my chance as a young adult coming out of school to get the opportunity to like be that glorified parent when I worked evenings and these girls came home from school and they had homework, they had chores, they had a lot of really intense behaviors. And that gave me a really good start to start thinking about that organization and getting them started and finishing tasks um, when they had other things that they were in dealing with. And it was really working on that consistency and that empowerment to get them to understand like, this is life, this is what we do. And so being able to start there really gave me the sense of this is what we need to do and help our kids be successful in the future. So that's also moved on to me then, you know, working in schools. 
I've worked as a school social worker in special education for the last 20 years and working a lot with students that have individual education plans and a lot of their goals focus around organization and sustained attention. So working with students to help create those goals and work on them throughout the year has been super helpful. And then now just working in my private practice with a variety of clients who struggle with that organization has been very, very exciting. So nice to have someone like you that can really support the families. You know, that's one thing we hear a lot of parents say to us about how do they support their child and and how do they find those supports at school? I know you talk a lot about joining the child's team, which I really like that team concept. Rather than being an opposing force coming in and like demanding things, how do we join together? Because we definitely get so much more movement and it just feels a lot better. How can we as parents really champion for our child and be a member of their team? Any suggestions? Absolutely. That's a great question. So being on the same team really means that understanding that A child is not a one-size-fits-all in education, right? So it doesn't mean that that applies to every child. It's important to understand that your child learns, has specific strengths, specific weaknesses, and where their fears lie, we need to empower them. So it is being about working as a same team. As parents, we need to be our child's advocate. So listening to their successes, experiencing their failures. Um, I'm also a mom. And so just being able to understand and take that step back and being on the same team means working together to maybe problem solve, as well as setting an example of how we value education in the home. Because again, as I say we, because as a parent myself, I remember like thinking, you know, as my daughter was getting older and having so much excitement for her to start school and fostering that excitement for her. And that's where my husband and I continue to work as a team to really work beside her on some of the things that she's good at and some of the things that she might struggle with. But also as a clinician, I talk so much to parents about how important it is to have that positive attitude about school and really emphasize the importance of school. You know, it's something that their child might struggle with or something that they can definitely celebrate with them. As they get older and work through the system is how important it might be to be involved in something at school, whether it's like a club or a sport, playing an instrument, volunteering. So true. I think our kids are exhausted physically and emotionally being at school, you know, kids are coming back into a routine after the pandemic, and it's been really hard to get them back to structure. So being that team lets our child know that we support them. And not being that opposing force is only going to cause friction at times like when homework needs to be completed. Um, And that just really creates a negative vibe. So you want to start having that healthy mindset at home. I'll second kind of what Robin said. I love the being on the team and even advocating for your child with the school. I had a mom even say to me yesterday, my child just not good at school. I wasn't good at school either. That's just not in our deck of cards. And it was interesting to hear that because the child's only in fifth grade. And is it that she needs to work on some things and she has other strengths that can maybe help her and and really helping the mom kind of develop into that role of being her child's champion where she can say, my child has potential or my child can turn some of these weaknesses into strengths, you know, and, and things like that. But I think parents feel defeated and don't always know how to act in that champion role. And I love Love how you really support parents in that way. Yeah, it's something that you just need to empower parents to do because it can feel super frustrating when you don't know how to help your child. Right. Or you're getting like calls from the school of what the child's doing wrong. You're feeling like, okay, but I don't know what to do. And if you guys at the school can't figure it out, how can I? And I hear that from parents too. The other thing Robin and I have talked about on these episodes, and we hear a lot of parents are like, our child's just so lazy, just so unorganized. They don't care. What do you think about that? And what do you say when you hear that from parents? Yeah, I hear that a lot. 
that. And it can be super frustrating as they just feel like their kid's not invested, right? And again, that goes back to that, what I was saying about the one size um, does not fit all approach and knowing that some kids have individual learning styles and they can be struggling somewhere. So we need to know where to help, right? And we, like you said, we know that nagging is not going to be the best approach. You know, if you see your child displaying some sort of difficulty with homework or procrastinating, which that's really hard for some kids, the avoidance is coming from something, right? That behavior means something. And so that could be time to really seek the assistance from school, school staff, and reach out or maybe even find somebody on the outside in terms of an of a therapist that can help foster some of that. I really want to emphasize that to really get a child to work on some of the strategies that we think that like they just aren't organized or they're lazy, it goes back to the child having a purpose, right? And like they then can have that control to know what that feels like in terms of having the control over something. It gives their own actions and in terms like helps the outcome, whether it's positive or negative. Yeah. I like that too, because I think what happens is, you know, it is really, and Robin and I talk a lot about, it is really about skills. It's not that you're good or not good at something, but having confidence that you can improve and and you can't get those skills. Yes, that is so important because I think sometimes we just think kids know how to do certain things. And that's a great point because everyone doesn't know how to be organized. Everyone doesn't know how to um, limit their time to do something from start to finish. Karen, I know you work a lot with helping children and families develop executive functioning skills. Can you explain a little bit about what that means, what executive functioning skills are and, and how it helps children engage in school? Sure. So executive functioning skills, they're known as our best essential skill set, right? So it's all of our activities that we do in a day. And and that's important for really having those regulation skills. So how it's possible to um, sustain attention, um, formulate goals, really refrain from some of that impulsivity and distractions, have some of that frustration tolerance, and then really reflect on the past but then really planning for that future. So these skills, obviously, they originate somewhere within our prefrontal cortex of the brain. So additionally, a lot of children with some sort of neurodevelopmental disorders and learning disabilities struggle with executive functioning the most. It's important really to know that not everyone is born with these skills. It's really hard, I think, sometimes for parents to say, why can't my kid do this? Or why don't they know how to do that? And this is something that they're learning each day in school. And we also have to foster that at home. And and you think about like, what did I do in a day? How much you had to think about and plan and execute. So being organized in school is not just there, it's outside of school as well. And so with that said, I think that some kids don't understand how to execute some of those skills. And, you know, their brains aren't fully developed. And, you know, sometimes for kids, especially with ADHD, they need to learn those skills that can cause them frustration um, with school and not like school. And that's when parents can see that maybe they're, they look like they're lazy, or they just don't understand an assignment, and that can cause frustration. So I talk about kids having purpose and really learning to, um, to to manage these executive functioning skills in order to see, okay, I have a goal in mind and how do I get there and looking ahead and really seeing the future, then they have investment in that. And so that's really helpful in how we can you know, make sure that we're working with students and even like at home, we foster that. And another important thing to really think about with executive functioning, it's not only at school, a lot of kids uh, have a hard time in terms of like socially then what that looks like, understanding people's perspectives, reading social cues, that's all about executive functioning. They can get overwhelmed in large groups 
of other of their peers, and they have a hard time maybe like maintaining um, those meaningful relationships. And this can really begin to cause a lot of anxiety with kids um, where they feel lonely or frustrated that they can't connect to their peers. So it's really important to know what the skills are and know that we can't expect our kids to know them all at once. Pick a few and start to think, where do my students' weaknesses lie? Or, or I'm sorry, my, my child's weaknesses lie? And then build on that. That's important. Excellent. I like that. Yeah, I think that's helpful. I think so many families are frustrated with their children, but teaching these skills is going to help them get to that next place. So I'm glad that you explained that. I think that's really helpful. Yes. Yes. Think about the subject of math and what all goes into that. Some kids will say like, I'm terrible at math, but you have to think about like the working memory and the sequencing and planning that goes into that. That can make a, a, a child frustrated. So it does always just connect back to executive functioning skills. Right. Are there any strategies that parents can use to teach children executive functioning skills at home, you know, without creating more frustration or fights or just those blowups that so often we see? Absolutely. So that's where the motivation and like that empowerment piece really comes in. So like I said, to start learning how to practice like the start and stop of a task, we've got so many things that you can think about that happen at home, right? So establishing a routine. So what does that look like for your child when they come home? How do they work on their homework? Where do they sit? It's important to have less distractions and maybe to have someone close guiding them as they start their homework. Like I know I love to cook dinner in the kitchen. So my daughter is sitting at the island and she's just gravitated to sitting there from her room and just works on her homework and asks questions and I can help her and kind of oversee what she's doing. And again, so that fosters us working together to, and then for me to understand what she's working on and to know that helps me know like what she's good at. Um, and so that's that's super important to have that routine and that togetherness. Even organization. So you think about all that has to get done in your house and what our kids um, do. Like they, they take care of their room, they have chores, you know, and that and that can mean, you know, the week is busy and things can kind of fall out of sync. But it's important then to always go back to the beginning and say, okay, like maybe on the weekends, like where are we going to start cleaning your room? How are we putting these clothes away? I really want this to happen. If you can get this done, then maybe you can, you know, have more time, whether it's on your phone or whatever it may be, because that if then always makes them feel like they're part of it and you're working together. And, you know, then they understand like that time management of like, I'd like it done before this time or really being able to show how long something takes. Cause I think kids really struggle with, they might see something in terms terms of an assignment or a project and it is so overwhelming. Oh, so true. And break that down for them, right? And so being able to have them understand that you can start here, you can take a break, go do what you need to do for an hour and then we're going to come back. And you know, that's when like alarms can get set. You know, you can use your Alexa in in the house, you can use your microwave timer if the kids sitting with you in the kitchen and just to have those visuals of like the start and stop is so important to to also do at home. Right. And that ability, I think, is you're saying they get so overwhelmed they often don't know how long a task is going to take. And so often they view it as much bigger than what it is. That's the one thing I see often. Absolutely. I love that chunking it down and saying, do what you can in these 30 minutes or whatever it is. And then they get a better understanding of how they work and they don't view it as so large. They understand they can get these tasks done 
quicker than what their brain may tell them. And that's exactly it, because that's when the procrastination or the avoidance comes in. Like, I I can't do that. It's too much. So you can Mm -hmm. just kind of, and you think about, you know, that's what's done in school. So they're also learning that maybe they're they're chunking assignments when the teacher might give them deadlines of we're going to work on this this week and then next week. You can also do that at home and empower your child to really feel like, okay, I can get this done. And then there's less arguing, there's less friction, anxiety for the child. Well, and I think too, and I don't know if you run into this, Karen, but I've talked to a lot of parents recently and and children that don't understand, you know, their learning styles, they don't understand their 504, their IEPs or what's on there, what's not. And and sometimes I think even teaching students about their strengths and, you know, areas of weakness and teaching parents about how they learn and kind of what accommodations, because if it's working during the day, maybe some of that might work at home. Absolutely. And that's consistency. And I often tell parents, parents that when I work with their children, I'll say, here's the language I'm teaching at school, or here's a lesson that I taught and I use this word. And I'll say, please use that at home. And that just has that, like you said, the consistency. And then what's happening in school is happening at home. And they're more likely then to really learn that skill and then be successful with what they need to to understand. And really, Jackie, that's a great point because if a student has an IEP and struggles in certain areas, it's so important for them to know why and what their goals are. What would you say, now we've talked a little bit about what to do, what would you say about what not to do? Is there any, (laughs) do you have any suggestions for parents about what not to do? Yes, this is so hard, right? Because we try not to be super unrealistic in our expectations, right, as parents. Um, And that can be really hard, one for parents and also for kids um, that sometimes might internalize that. So I always just say, let go of your wanting to control a lot of what you don't see your child doing, right? So that's empowering then the child to have a little bit more control of what they they think they can't do. And when parents want to control every aspect of a child's like education or life or whatever, it just doesn't give them the sense of their learning and they're learning those skills. And so I tell parents, don't be afraid to step back and let them fail. And I often get like, well, they're going to fail the class or they're, they're not going to learn. And I said, but that's when our kids learn the best. And they see, like I was saying before, they have purpose. And then you can adjust from there. But we learn from our mistakes and our failures. And then that's when a plan can get created, a new plan of action. And that's really hard for some parents to like step back. But I've seen great success in that and letting go and just being like, okay, I'm not checking, you know, the school website, and I'm not going to go into that and show them how many things are missing. And, And when we put it back on the child, it's so much easier for them to have control. And they are the ones that, oops, I missed that. And it's like, okay, well, that was on you. It has had some positive outcomes in in my opinion of what I've really empowered those parents to do. It doesn't feel good and they're very uncomfortable, but it has great results. So it goes right along with what you're saying. You know, so often we hear children say that they don't believe in themselves, that they can be successful. Jackie always asks the great question of, you know, do you believe your child can be successful or do you believe your student can be successful. How can we help parents team with the child's school and helping, you know, kind of tap into their strengths? And as Jackie said, understanding when they have a limitation and really gaining that confidence to be successful and improve. I would say it's incredibly important to really know your child's team at school. So those are the people that are going to help with the outcome of success academically. And obviously you're helping foster that at home, but 
that can be anyone from your child's teacher to assist you, any related service personnel. Um, if your child has an IEP, a social worker, a speech pathologist, an occupational therapist, and really utilize that team to help support you at home. Like I was saying, that consistency between home and school is so important. And then the kids feel empowered because they can see how they've made growth and they've grown throughout the year. And I think it's really helpful for when I talk to parents and let, you know, let them know again about uh, that common language at home and strategies that we're teaching at school and then definitely enforcing it at home. It helps stay consistent and it really empowers the child. Well, and it doesn't have to be real elaborate, right, Karen? It can even be key phrases. I think sometimes parents feel like the more they talk, the more their children will listen. The more we say and the more we repeat, it just annoys the child. And so sometimes just like I've learned from you, like key phrases, visuals, keeping it simple, trying to find things that they did do well to motivate them more in a positive direction. Absolutely. Because we know what we want our kids to do or, you know, we're asking for all of these things. But yes, you do have to go back to that. And I myself have to remember that as a mom, like I'm validating, right? Like you did such a great job. Like my daughter's room might not be to my standards, but you did a great job. You picked it all up and like, let's move on. Absolutely. Like we have to remember to be positive. Yeah. And it's hard, right? As parents, we're all in a hurry too. So we're like seeing things that need to be done and we're shouting it out, but giving the children the chance to meet that deadline is helpful. Yeah, that's that's super helpful because a checklist could be easy to put down in their room or in the kitchen to say, can you get these three things done? Because then I hear parents will always say, I've asked them 13 times to do something. <laughs> but they might not remember because they're, you know, they're busy doing one thing and they can't switch and transition in their head as fast as we might want them to. So that goes back to our expectations, which can be really hard to let go, but you still have to remember like where they are developmentally, they're trying their best and then being able to execute how we want them can be very different from what they can actually do. Right. And then I was just thinking, you know, in a home, you have different children with different styles, right? And one child may be able to have two or three direct and then, you know, go do it. Another child may need one and then the second and then the third. And it's just, I think sometimes for parents, that's really difficult when you have different styles going on in the home. And I think that's where us being more grounded and present, we can respond in those ways, but it's it's not easy. No, that's a great point because it isn't easy. And I think that that causes frustration with some parents. Like, well, you know, this one, my one child can do this, this, and this, but my other can't. And it's like, but that's okay because they're not the same person. And you just have to give this one a little bit more help in this area really working with them to understand that, yeah, they are different. I like how you said consistency, you know, do what works, make sure that they have an area, you know, some routine when they come home. If electronics are a big distraction, you know, try to hold those off until, you know, something's been done. Kids are going to fight it, right? Initially, routine does help, especially when we're trying to work on some of these skills. Yes, routine is absolutely super important for building those skills because you think about the beginning of a school year and how you start with all the fresh supplies and you know this date is the day that you start school and like you have to continue to be consistent with that because all throughout the year then things get harder you throw in sports you throw in activities and there's just a lot for kids to remember and so I think it is important to go back to a lot of those reminders and letting kids know like this is what we're doing in the morning when you come home from school this is what we're doing after school I always like to give those advanced warnings even to my own daughter who I think sometimes really has it in her head and she'll look at me and say, 
it, wait, what are we doing? And I'm like, but I already told you, but, and, and I have to go back to, nope, just continue to be consistent and just give her those reminders. And that, that's what happens at school all day. And then you have to kind of just, you know, remember that they're exhausted. They come home and they might need some of those reminders. Absolutely. Well, thank you. This has been a great conversation. Thank you. It's been great. Yeah. And I think that your suggestions are awesome. We try to encourage the clubs. You know, I almost wish school had clubs as like a class because so many kids that I have struggle in school school don't want to join clubs. And so I, I love that suggestion, but trying to get them to engage and socialize, it's really a good idea, but it's it's a challenge. I know. Yeah. It's great to be involved. It keeps our kids active. It keeps them feeling better mentally about themselves and it's proven to be successful just to keep them busy. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, I know we'll link all your information in your bio and I know Robin has some questions to ask you. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Three questions that we ask every guest. You may choose to answer one, two, or all three of the questions. It's your choice. Let's start. Number one, tell us one of your funny parenting stories. Now, this could be from you as a parent or from you as a child and something your parents did. Number two, what TV family or movie would you want to be a part of and why? And three, what does successful parenting mean to you? Take it away, Karen. Okay, great questions. Oh my gosh, I have to just throw out there number two is just funny. It's dating myself of how of my age, but who wouldn't want to be part of the Keaton family? I loved family ties and have Alex oh Keaton as your older brother. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good that one. That is a good one. Yes. Um, yes. Funny parenting story, actually. Um, you know, when I was eight years old, um, my dad and I were part of Indian Princess through like the YMCA. And that was something that you you joined to kind of, you know, you joined this tribe to have a healthy, show that you have a healthy relationship, you know, father-daughter relationship. And that was one of the activities that I was involved in um, young. And so you, you, you chose a name, you know, I chose Yellow Feather for my blonde hair. And, you know, my dad chose Chief Bald Eagle for obvious reasons. <laughs> and that was something that we went on outings and we did like scavenger hunts and you had meetings in your home and you hosted these things. And my dad was the chief of this tribe and the girls would come to my house with their dads and you would do crafts and you would earn these, these beads for the necklace that you would create to kind of show your dedication. And then what was important is this like, you, know, you had the, the feathers that you gained for doing certain things. And the one that stuck out was this eagle feather. And that was the hardest feather to get. And you had to sit and talk to your dad for an hour. Well, think at eight years old, talking to your dad for an hour was like, felt like forever. And so he took me to a park and we sat down and we talked, you know, about various topics and, and, and we did it. And I was so proud. But fast forward then to my wedding. And so my dad is giving his father of the bride speech. And he's talking about, you know, my accomplishments and my successes and how I met my husband. And oh, then God, all, cry. <laughs> all of a sudden, like the music starts in the background. And a couple of girls in my wedding party were from Indian princess. That's how like long I've known these girls. And they start getting up and walking towards my dad and he busts out this huge <laughs> Indian headdress and the crowd just erupts. <laughs> and he's ta he starts talking about this again and how that was so important to him that we like had this relationship. And that's something I'll always, always, always cherish that we uh -huh. had that time together. And then at the end, he had a yellow feather. And he said to my husband, I give to you yellow feather. And that was <laughs> so amazing. So one of my favorite, Aww. one of my favorite stories. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and even successful parenting, just as a mom and a clinician, I really think both professionally and personally, I just I really like to think about a few things that keep me grounded, just open communication and making sure that something that I have with my daughter as well as the clients I serve 
also making sure that some of the things that I, I definitely value and talk a lot about is like that fostering independence and making sure that we, again, like I talked about, we let our kids have that control of their own lives and we we step in when needed. And then really just making sure that I'm instilling the ability to let her understand my own daughter and the clients I work with that mistakes are okay. They are opportunities for growth and you'll be okay if you fail because it gives you the chance to not only bounce back in that resiliency, but then that's when you show that you grow. So yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with my parenting. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much. I am sure our listeners are going to love this one and make sure, you know, look in the description for all of Karen's information. I think we are finished. Thank you, Karen. And my favorite was just really that team approach and empowering parents to be their, you know, their child's champion and teacher. And, you know, you made me think about some things. So this was really helpful for me. And thank you. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, Jackie. Bye, Robin. Thank you for joining us. And make sure to subscribe and like us to catch our next episode, where we will take you on a journey to find new ways of successful parenting.